0: Welcome to the Counterfeit Sleep Podcast, where we help you answer today's most important health and wellness question Is your sleep making you tired? I'm your host, Tara Clancy. Join me each week for the stories, the science, and the solutions to help you banish counterfeit sleep and have more energy increased productivity, and a reflection in the mirror you love. Go ahead and subscribe, and you'll get each new episode as soon as it goes live. If your sleep is making you tired, it's time to change that and get back to being you. A high-performance workforce starts with high-performance sleep. Do you know how your workforce measures up? Find out today. Take the Sleep Performance Assessment. Learn more at hypersleep.com. That's H-I-P-E-R sleep.com. The Counterfeit Sleep Podcast, Season 1, Episode 59. With this episode, we continue our celebration of Women's History Month, but the focus is different. In our first Women's History Month episode, We focused on ending women's sleep problems, the most fundamental thing we must do to have the physical stamina, the mental focus, and the emotional bandwidth we need to live, love, and lead at our highest level of performance. If you haven't listened to that yet, download episode 56. You'll hear three stories of three women who struggled unwittingly with counterfeit sleep and then transformed their lives by leveling up their sleep performance. Check it out in episode 56. In this, our second episode to celebrate Women's History Month, we get into how we build our future so we can continue to build our collective history. We welcome Deb Bulkis, Leadership Luminary, founder of Business World Rising, and author of the recently released Women on Top, What's Keeping You from Executive Leadership. During her 30-year career within Fortune 500 technology companies, Deb rose through the ranks of a heavily male-dominated business world. How did she do that? She credits phenomenal leadership training, lots and lots of leadership books, a few tremendous role models, as well as more than a few managers who reinforced what not to do. As she rose through the corporate ranks, Deb gained an undisputed reputation as a passionate, people-oriented leader, and that is clear in the work she does in business leadership. And so we're excited to bring you this Business Impact Series conversation with the wonderful Deb Bolkus. Listen and learn the number one way to limit your rise up the ladder and what to do instead. Why having three out of 10 is better for your career than having seven out of 10. And how to get comfortable with self-promotion and do it powerfully. Let's listen to this inspiring conversation with Deb Bulkus now. Hello Deb and welcome to the Counterfeit Sleep podcast.
1: Hello Tara, it's nice to be here.
0: Uh, You know, Deb, we uh, are celebrating Women's History Month, and this is our second episode, actually, in celebration of this special month. Our first episode was all about ending women's sleep problems, which is an important topic because women are twice as likely as men to have problems falling asleep or staying asleep. Um, and that's, so it's a big, big thing to address And I think it's especially important for what we're going to talk about today. When we're really looking to talk about building our futures, um, sleep underscores everything that we can do there. Uh, If anybody wants to listen to the episode about ending women's sleep problems, just go to counterfeitsleep.com and you can download episode episode 56. Uh, You'll hear three women's amazing stories about discovering their counterfeit sleep and what they did to overcome the problems and how their lives transformed as a result, really giving them the, the energy that they needed to be able to build their futures. So in this episode with you, Deb, I'm looking forward to talking about how we can build our futures now so that we really end up enriching women's history as so many women before have done. And you're exactly who I've been wanting to speak to about this, Deb. I've been reading your book, and I think that the way you approach it, your your personal experience, the work you've done with so many clients to really move women forward in leadership positions is exactly what it will help us in this in this endeavor of building our futures. And, and let me just say this too. I mean, we've certainly made strides, right? I mean, if we think back to those brave women of the early 1900s, fighting simply to get the right to vote. You know, th- those were huge achievements. Uh, and, you know, we have continued to make those strides um, and women have climbed the corporate ladders for sure. But that glass ceiling, as we we well know, is real. And so, Deb, you work with women to help them climb that corporate ladder and rise above that glass ceiling. So can you tell us a bit about that? and? Before we get into that, can you just give us, for anybody who isn't familiar with your work, can you just tell us uh, you know, what it is that you do?
1: Sure. I um, have been in leadership development for a little over a decade after spending 30 years working in Fortune 100 high-technology firms, which were very male-dominated, mm. and uh, along the way, I noticed women were not getting up further up the ladder than I expected that they would, and so... At one point, like I said, about well, 12 years ago, perhaps I uh, decided to do something about this. It just wasn't right. And so I started a leadership development program dedicated to accelerating advancement for women to senior leadership, uh, primarily in major corporations. And it's, uh, it's been an amazing thing to take women who just, a, a lot of times, we're the ones that get in our own way. Uh, And we don't realize that necessarily. It's much easier Mm -hmm. to always blame somebody else for our lack of advancement. Uh, It's been a phenomenal experience. And uh, to see women really succeed after going through the program and getting some good mentoring and coaching. Yeah. And then I decided to write a book primarily to help get all the women in our program on the same page. And it's turned into what is now becoming four books. (laughs)
0: There's ambition. I, you know, I think the reason, uh, from my perspective, you know, the reason that your program would be as powerful as it is, um, just a general observation, not getting specifically into what you do, but it's because you've been there yourself, just like you said, right? So once you've been there, you can bring so much more to to what you're you're endeavoring to do, right? Having that personal experience makes a tremendous difference. So, um, so I'm so glad that you you made that shift and. And you created that program and you've helped so many women. So can you tell us then for our conversation today, can we get into, um, you know, what you're seeing and hearing as you work with women who are striving to build their futures, um, and then share your insights on on what those things, you know, what's behind those things. And then if we can wind up with some concrete takeaways for for women who also are looking to climb that corporate ladder and, and build their own futures.
1: Absolutely. Oh my goodness. I hear so many things from, from women for sure. Uh, and it's, it's really across the board. That's why one book turned into four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are a lot of topics. But, um, if I were to narrow it down to just one thing that I find just very common when I use the term imposter syndrome, some women don't know what that means, but if they do, I've, virtually never hear anybody say, oh, that's not a problem for me. It's like, oh my gosh, I thought I was the only one that felt like it. Mm-hmm. And imposter syndrome is that feeling that I don't really deserve to be here. I'm not really that good. And it's, it's that feeling that you have when someone offers you a promotion or you hesitate to ask for a promotion because you think, I don't really deserve that. And even when it's offered to you, you tend to say, well, you know, I'm not sure I have all the qualifications. Maybe I need to go back to school. Maybe I need to get some more training. Maybe I need to take a job over here doing that first. So we always have a reason why
0: we're really not ready. And can I, can I chime in for a second there? Because something I remember from the book that was really, really interesting to me. And I think Really, you know, supports this point that you're making now about imposter syndrome. You mentioned, and, and maybe I don't remember the exact details, but something like if a, if a situation comes up for a man, as opposed to a woman, the man has a completely different approach in response than the woman does. Can you can you get into that a little bit because it was such a an eye opening um, yeah. illustration.
1: Yeah, absolutely. In fact, there's this story that, you know, maybe a lot of people have heard it, but I'm gonna repeat it anyway, because maybe you haven't. And that is the scenario that um, given a job opportunity, um, and let's let's just say I'm the manager, and I call you in Tara, and I call in a peer of yours, a male peer, and I'll say, hey, there's this wonderful opportunity. It's my level position. So it would be a step up for each of you, but it's in this other department. And so it's similar, but it's a little bit different. And the guy will go, awesome. And the woman will say, I, I'm not familiar with that other department. And in fact, I had a friend who went through this and tells her own story about she, she had to have this conversation with her boss. And he said, listen, just go down to human resources, get the job description from them, come back and let's sit here and talk about it. So she came back and she said, I don't know why you think I'm qualified for this. It's got all these 10 requirements that you're supposed to have to to take this job. And I've only got seven out of the 10. And her boss said, Carolyn, excuse my language, but don't be such a woman about this. The boss said, when I had this conversation with John, he said, hey, I've got three out of the 10. Put Mm. me in there. Amazing. And I had to talk to my the women in my program all the time. That was a common conversation. And I would say, now put yourself in the manager, the hiring manager's shoes. Who would you pick to take that job? The one who says, I've got three, put me in there. I can do that. Or the one who says, I'm not sure. I think I need to go learn a little bit more.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's such an, you know, like I said, a perfect illustration. And I think, you know, who knows how much is um, certainly, you know, they do say boys and girls are different from birth, brain differences, but there's that huge, you know, so there may be that nature element, but there is a huge nurture element to that. I remember reading a study in, in psychology early on, like in college, where it showed kids. On a uh, like uh, preschoolers out in the playground in the winter, all bundled up in um, you know their their snow and you know scarves, so you couldn't tell if it was a boy or a girl. And they the researchers uh, <laughs> filmed the kids playing, and then they would show this film to students um, and say, you know, um, this is a group of boys. Measure the level of aggression. And then they'd say, this is a group of girls measured the level of aggression. And for the exact same thing, the level of aggression that was perceived was much higher when it was a group of girls because girls aren't supposed to behave that way, you know, that kind of thing. So there definitely is this, this nurturing piece. So, uh, you know, that, that, that comes about just because of, of, how we live. And that's, I think what's so important that you do what you do, because we need to help get over, uh, you know, build our minds around that. So, I guess it's really like that belief kind of system, that belief system gets built in us and, um, but we don't have to stay there. Right. We don't, you know, and and that's what you really speak to. So, so maybe we can get a little bit into that. Um, you know, you mentioned, do I need education? You mentioned things like, you know, is perfection really my end goal? Can you speak to like, you know, how do we begin to work around those things? A high-performance workforce starts with high-performance sleep. Do you know how your workforce measures up? Find out today. Take the sleep performance assessment. Learn more at hypersleep.com. That's h i p e r sleep.com.
1: Yes, absolutely. And you mentioned something really important and that is the 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 thought of Perfection. We seem to believe that everything we do has to be perfect. I've got to be perfect at this. And if I don't know everything, I won't be perfect and Mm -hmm. they're going to find me out. And so it's really getting over the obsession that we tend to have with being perfect. I want to be the perfect mother. I want to be the perfect wife. I want to be the perfect manager, whatever this is. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, If you're perfect at what you do, you're probably not stretching yourself far enough. Mm. And Mm. in fact, uh, in my last two books, I interviewed a woman who was a a three-star general in the army. And she said, that's one of the things about the army is you are constantly changing jobs every year, every year as an officer, you change jobs and you're trying something new and you're just beginning to feel comfortable in the job that you have where right. they say, okay, you're going to do, go do this other thing. Wow. And part of that is because they need you to be able to do a lot of different things. Because mm-hmm. if you're in a wartime situation, things change all the time, True. but it's by changing constantly and learning to adapt and learning to learn on the fly that makes you so valuable. Mm-hmm. And if we, those of us in the corporate world would just realize how important that is and having asking for stretch assignments to continue to grow. And it's not about being perfect. And in fact, I have another friend, a best friend of mine, and we were working on a book together at one point. And she said, let's just remember one thing done is better than perfect.
0: Mm, that There's, there's a bumper sticker we should all have right, right here. You <laughs> can see it on each other, a forehead sticker. <laughs> yeah. It'll. Well, I mean, yeah i mean it's such an important point that you make of like by putting ourselves into new situations first of all we come we become comfortable with the the unknown and really isn't all of life changing constantly so if we do back ourselves into this like fear based imposter syndrome type thinking we really are limiting you know, what our potential really is. So, so if we think about, then, uh, so think about that then, um, what would be some, let's see if we can talk about some concrete takeaways then for, for uh, women and, and the men who love them, uh, you know, uh, who, who are really looking to move forward and build their futures. What are, what are some things to really uh, key into?
1: Well, I think one of those things is just believe in yourself. And when you have doubts, ask yourself, when was the last time you failed at something? Mm. Now, maybe we, you know, we all fail at something and maybe many times I feel like I'm failing a lot every other day. But the thing is, when you fail, it's because you've not necessarily failed in other people's eyes. You failed in your own eyes.
0: Mm. Maybe
1: you set your bar somewhere up here that wasn't even realistic. Uh-huh. But if you did fail, you probably learned something because I have a saying that I've, I've said for many years, and that is experience is what you get when you don't get what you want.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, I like that. <laughs> True.
1: I thought you were going to be out here and you're only here, but you probably learned a heck of a lot yeah. out of that thing that you were trying to do something that you hadn't done before. But the thing is, normally you're not going to fail. Right. So step into it. You are going to be great because you're going to figure it out. And there is never an identical situation to whatever you've done before.
0: Never. Right.
1: I mean, think Very about it. if you're a mom and you have more than one child. Oh, yeah. I- I've never heard. Unless they're identical twins, I have never heard a mother say, oh, yeah, child number two was exactly the same as yeah, child number yeah, one. Yeah,
0: yeah, And even with identical t- twins, I've never heard it. It's just you never know what to expect. It's true. It's true. Um, and when you when um, you said something there, uh, uh mm, went out of my head with the kids, uh, the kids stop, it'll, if it comes back, I'll mention it. So, yes. but that's a perfect kind of thing to forget. Oh, that's what it was too. If you, you know, the idea uh, I think about work that I've done with uh goal setting and, you know, they talk about that stretch goal, right? That one that's sort of beyond, but it's really important also to have the sort of stepping stones to it. And I think what you were saying, maybe you didn't reach that that end goal, maybe it was like too high, but if you do go and look and say, well, did I progress at all? How did I progress? And what did I learn? You still get the positive, um, experience from that, that will, will move you farther along towards that. So, yeah, I think the reflection piece is so important here rather than, whoo. failure. It's like, Hey, let's, let me think, you know, what, what I get from it. Awesome. Okay. So definitely, um, that's a really important, um, important thing. What other, uh, takeaways might you offer?
1: I would say another thing is to understand yourself and what you're really good at and you love to do. Mm. And in my latest book, uh, and certainly in the, the book that I'm writing now, the follow on to it, um, one of the uh, women who I interview in that book is the president of the Vitamix company.
0: Oh, uh huh.
1: And she says this, this um, term about uh, where was I going with this? Um, it, oh, she calls it superpowers. You know, understand your superpower. And that mm. is the thing that you do so well you don't, I mean, you're enjoying it so much. You don't realize you're working at it because you're not working at it. It's just Mm -hmm. something that you inherently do, but understand that we as women have such a challenge in accepting that we can be really good at something and be admired for it. If we're not working hard for it. Mm. So many of us think that in order to, to be to be great. We've got to strive and we've got to work hard when in reality, the things that you do so inherently well, it's just part of you. We yeah. we don't appreciate those things in ourselves. Instead, we sweep those under the rug and we go on to the things we got to work hard at. Yeah. Yet if That's you would a- just sit down and realize what is it you love to do and, and you're just enjoying every minute of it. That's what you really ought to try to figure out. How do we that into your everyday life with your job?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's such a great point too. I mean, even if you think about like in college where, you know, or school in general, where they're like, well, this is, these are your strengths, but here's what you need to work on. And those things that you have to work on can really become the doldrums. (laughs) We do need to be rounded, but we, we should realize that when we get to that point, we can say, "I'll hire somebody to do that aspect." You know, so very, yeah. very, very good. Um, and then, um, one, uh, any other um, things you might offer uh, for a takeaway?
1: Learn how to speak up for yourself. Uh huh. And that goes along with being offered a promotion, or the flip side of that, asking for that stretch assignment, asking for that promotion. And you know, it's interesting that I work. Even with women who are at senior executive levels, they will have these great ideas for what the company should do. And then we'll sit down and have a chat and say, I'm so frustrated because our president's not doing X. And I'll say, well, have you talked to him about that? Mm. Oh, well, no. Well, that wouldn't be right. Well, why not? Yeah. says, you know, if I were in that job, I would do X, Y, and Z. And I said, well, why don't you sit down and put together a little plan about what you should do and then have that conversation with him and saying, oh, by the way, I would love to do that. Nobody's doing it. Let me do that. And oh, by the way, you know, I should have the executive vice president title. Mm. And uh, I've seen in other companies where people who do those kinds of things earn $500,000 a year, whatever it is.
0: Right. Yeah. And,
1: um, you know, that would, I think, be appropriate. So, you know, I, I think I deserve to do this. Yeah. And here's what it means to the company. If I do this, what do you think?
0: Yeah. Beautiful. And that goes, it speaks to what you were mentioning earlier about, you know, women looking at what they, you know, how many skills they happen to have against what they should. Well, here's the thing. Just say, Hey, look, this go in, it, you're going in more with that. This is what I can do uh, attitude. And that is always, I think, well, not always, but I think very often it's a very attractive um you know, energy, really people are like, oh, good, here's somebody who's moving forward. So it's really kind of an idea of getting comfortable with doing that. Um, Well, and and
1: especially when you can link that into the things that, you know, you do really well, because believe me, other people, they know what you do really well, probably better than you. Yeah. You know, you're not acknowledging it. They see it. So if you go in and say, we need to do this, I do this well, the boss is going to be saying, yes, you do do that well.
0: Yeah, I've seen you do
1: it a hundred times.
0: Yeah. You know, I remember talking to a colleague one time who was branching out into a new uh, area and she was very similarly speaking like you were saying before about, you know, yeah, I can do this, but I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure about the other. And I I said, have you done that with anybody before? And they were like, well, yeah, I mean, I have, but not like, not, you know, in a paid setting. This is more of like a consultant role thing. She's like, I've helped people with that, but I haven't gone in as a consultant doing that. I said, well, what I would suggest is sitting down with that person and asking them what, what you did, what you like, what they liked about it, what outcomes it helped them achieve, you know, and, and go through that exercise of letting somebody tell you (laughs) how well you did, right. Because she was in a, like a little bit of a, a confidence um, dip there. And, uh, you know, and it was like, why not promote yourself? So, uh, you know, I think we all should, we should all promote ourselves and we should all, um, you know, believe in ourselves, as you mentioned, and, um, you know, uh, realize that you don't have to be perfect. As you said, we were always stepping into changing things and we have to evolve. Uh, it's the nature of the game. Absolutely. <laughs> well, yeah. So, Deb, as we wind up, I always like to ask uh, each person two questions. The first one is, given everything you know, everything you've experienced uh, in your life with your clients, et cetera. What would you put on a billboard? You know, and a billboard is a relatively small piece of real estate and people drive by quickly.
1: I would say, believe in yourself. Mm. You can do it.
0: Yeah, maybe we should put two, right? One right after, believe in yourself. You can do it. You can do it. it. (laughs) Yeah, I'll tell you very often here on the Counterfeit Sleep Podcast, we end up with two, you know, because the message is so powerful and you want to break it into two pieces. I think that's a great one because it's it's the first, it's the starting point to everything, isn't it? Awesome. And then last question for you, Deb, it's a simple one. Where would people connect with you and where would they find your book as well uh, to kind of get the inspiration and the ideas for making their futures?
1: Absolutely. So my book, Women on Top, What's Keeping You from Executive Leadership?, uh you can find at bookstores near you uh worst case you can pick up the phone call them, see if they have it if it's not sitting there on the shelf they can order it for you and get it or you can come right to my website and that's where you can connect with me my business name is business world rising Mm -hmm. so if you can businessworldrising.com that will get to me uh you can order any of my books on that website and you can connect with me online there
0: awesome and when, just as a final question, when is your next book um, due? Approximately, do you think? What's the general timeline?
1: I expect it to publish the fourth quarter of this year.
0: Beautiful. All right. So we'll have another one coming our way. But yeah. well, thank you so much, Deb, for sharing all your insights and those really concrete takeaways that really are the things that can reorient us so that we can rise above that glass ceiling and really build the futures the way we want. Thank you.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: A high-performance workforce starts with high-performance sleep. Do you know how your workforce measures up? Find out today. Take the sleep performance assessment. Learn more at hypersleep.com. That's H-I-P-E-R sleep.com. That ends this episode of the Counterfeit Sleep Podcast, where we help you answer today's most important health and wellness question, Is your sleep making you tired? Follow us to get the stories, the science, and the solutions to help you take your counterfeit sleep journey. And leave us a review to help other people find us. Thank you. And remember, if your sleep is making you tired, it's time to change that and get back to being you.